There are two readings today. The first one is Isaiah 35, verse 6. Isaiah 35, verse 6 says... Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth of the wilderness and stream into the desert. The second reading is Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1 through to 26. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the prayer, at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went to them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what, they, what had happened to him. While the man helped, held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him for being Pilate, through he had decided, though he had decided to let him go. He disowned the holy, you disowned the holy, the holy and righteous one, and asked that the murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we witness, and we witness, we are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets. Saying this, his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sin may be wiped out. That time of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who had been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise raise you up from a prophet like me among from among you your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offsprings, all peoples on earth will be blessed. 
When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you be blessed. Ble- first to you to be blessed by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Shanae, well done. That was phenomenal. Long reading, excellent job. Mm. And she's teaching a pathway kids as well today. Okay. I'll start with a question. Here's the question. It's not the question that this passage in the Bible wants to answer, but I think it's the question that we all probably wrestle with most. Here's the question. Should I pray for healing? For myself? Should I pray for healing for someone else? If I am a Christian who knows someone who is suffering, should I pray for healing? For that person, should I pray, should I ask God to heal me? Ever wondered about that question? Ever wrestled with that question? I think we all have. I think we all do. I think the church in general does and wrestles and struggles with this question. So here's what I want to do. I want to jump into this passage first. I want to just explore it, then there. Then I'll get back to the question in the end. And we'll answer both this question, but do a little bit more. I think, perhaps, redefine the question to say this is what we really should get out of this passage. All right, we'll do that. We'll jump in first. So let's, we'll pop, thank you, Georgia. Excellent job. This is what we read. This is the bit that that really should jump out uh, at us. And I want you to really, 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 really imagine this, okay? I mean, did you feel that when when, when, uh, Shanae read that to us? These two disciples, Peter, John, they go to the temple um, and they walk through this gate. They go to this place where where these number of people who, who are disabled, you can imagine all sorts of disabilities, and they, their living is really to beg for food and for support, for charity. They live off that, right? And imagine this with me, friends. I mean, it, the story is clear. He was lame from birth. This man could not walk. And they spoke to him, and they commanded him in the name, Jesus of Nazareth, walk. <laughs> and he does. I... I mean, that out of, out of all things one could possibly witness in your life, surely that would have to be one of the most memorable, the most impacting, the most significant things that you could ever witness. Uh, it's interesting, it says in verse 8, he, when this lame man was healed, he, he, <laughs> he jumped to his feet. It's an interesting expression, isn't it? Uh, it didn't say he slowly sort of got better and, 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 and he, you know, little by little, tentatively creaking, um, got up. He, he, he jumped to his feet. There was a sense of, 
abundance of, 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 of health, of reinvigoration, of restoration, and the phrase is, is very uh, deliberate. This is why we read Isaiah. This is, this is, and Peter then points this out a little bit later. This is just a bit of contextual stuff. But there's this prophecy, right, where, where we, Shanae read, the prophets of all foretold, a time will come when the lame will leap like a deer, when the lame will jump to their feet. This is what's happening here. What was promised, what God said would come, the time would come when you will see this. And that day, in the story of this man, that is exactly what happens. He jumps to his feet. Wonder, amazement, incredible stuff, and then the story moves on. Peter and John, they go to a different part of the temple, and then uh, Peter gets up and he starts to preach another sermon. Now, we've, we've dealt with one of Peter's sermons, the first one in the book of Acts last week. Pop quiz, hit me up. How many sermons do you think we have in Acts? How many times do we have a sermon where we see the apostles or others preach? Just yell out. Any idea? Four or five, up. Ten. Ten times two. 20, <laughs> bang on, 20, 20 sermons on, on at least 20 occasions. There's only 20, 26, 28 chapters, I'm under correction here. 20 of them, someone gets up and preaches, and, and this is one of them, this is the second one. A lot of the sermon is, 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 is the same as last week, so, and I'm not going to go in detail as we journey through Acts on every single one of those sermons. There's a lot of overlap because you get the idea that they are saying the same thing over and 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 over, over, over again. They just preach it every time. This is one of those times. However, there are three things in the bottom line of Peter's sermon that he goes on to preach here, uh, and I got them all with our words, and I'll just... Just in that verse, just explain them. Repentance, we talked about repentance last week. If you missed it, just in brief summary, base root meaning turn. God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. He is king of the universe, king of your life. Either your life is moving away from him where your back is turned towards him or it's turned towards him, recognising him as king and Lord and you're moving closer to him, little by little, more and more as he is filling you, changing you, transforming you. Are you living in repentance? And as you go along, we always want to turn away and he gets us and turns us back. That, that's repentance in terms of what we said last week, right? There's two things here that he mentions in this verse that didn't come up last week. I mean, it's implied, but, but he stresses it here. Um, he says that turn so that your sins may be washed, which we also spoke about last week. Then he says, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I just love that turn of phrase. Times of refreshing. What does he mean? He means rest. He means spiritual rest. Do you know the feeling when you go on a long, good, helpful holiday, you come back and you feel refreshed. You feel that sense of, um, you know, that, oh, man, <laughs> I'm refreshed. 
I'm rested. And he's saying, you know what? When you are washed and your sins are washed away, this is what it feels like. This is one of the, one of the, one of the effects, if you like, is a certain sense of refreshing, a certain sense of when, when you think about life, about yourself, and we spoke about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a refreshing thing. It is this deep-seated spiritual sense of, oh, man, yes, I, I feel refreshed. I feel different. I feel reinvigorated. I can do life. I can do my future because I'm washed, because I'm filled, right? Repent. Let your sins be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then he says the third thing. So repentance, refreshment. And this is a very interesting thing. That God may send the Messiah. That God may send the Messiah. Didn't he just send him? That's an odd phrase. We've just been to the Messiah was sent. Jesus was here. Jesus did die. Jesus was raised. Jesus did ascend. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Christ. The Spirit has been poured out. Repent. Be washed of your sins. Turn towards Jesus. Why should you do all these things? That God may send Jesus. Odd. <laughs> Isn't it? What does he mean? What is it that, 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 that is in this sort of that God may send Jesus again. It means a lot, actually. It means that the work of Jesus is not done. It's not complete. Spiritually speaking, yes, you're clean, you're forgiven, you're filled with God's Holy Spirit, you're a child of God, you should live uh, at least... As a, uh, for the majority of your times, under the intoxicating power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the sense of security and confidence and comfort that you are a child of God, but you know that it's not done. For one, you still die. For two, a lot of other things in your life still does not go right and will not go ultimately right until the Messiah comes again. Until we read in Revelation chapter 21, 22, right at the end of the Bible, this depiction of the world that the Messiah is bringing in fullness, the physical world, there will be no more death or tears or crying or mourning or pain. Yet to come. What do we do now? We repent. We, we get cleansed so that we may be refreshed in order that day may Come. That's what Peter's saying. That's what he's calling them to in this sermon that he preaches. Now, okay, that's it. That's all the exploration I want to do. Here's the question that I want us to get back to then. Um, no more slide. That's good. It's already on there. Peter is urging repentance so that we can participate in God's entire planned program from start to finish. Okay? Repent so that you're in on God's program. You are in on that journey of being fully restored, raised to live eternally. No more death. That's why we repent. Okay? Get back to the question. As I, as I kind of wrap up, I'm not going to talk too long today. Should we pray for healing? 
There's three ways Christians over the ages have answered that question. And there's three ways in which this passage have been interpreted by Christians over the ages. I'll give you the first two. Um, I put to you the third one is the best. Uh, the first two, these are Christian brothers who believe it. Maybe you believe it today. Maybe you disagree with me. That's okay. Number one. We can take from the Acts story here before us that Jesus will always heal all illnesses. In fact, the takeout of this passage is that Peter models to us what the default mode of Christian discipleship should be. Every disciple should at all times be able to, con to confront illness, brokenness, like that lame man, and command healing by prayer, by the laying on of hands. This is what Jesus is calling us to. This is how the Christian life should be lived. Jesus seeks to give that sense of authority to all of his disciples. This is very much what very large parts of the Christian church today believe and live out. Christian brothers and Christian sisters. Some questions I think we have to ask, and I'm going to deal with this today because it is all throughout Acts, and it's really, really helpful for us to look at this. Some questions that I wrestle with, and I put to you, you should wrestle with. Why not heal more in this passage? There were plenty of lame people that day. Plenty of people at that temple gate called beautiful. One was healed. Many, many were not. Why not stand up and say, all who are lame, all who are crippled, all who have all sorts of diseases come to be healed? Peter does not. In fact, he moves on. And then he preaches. Why the bit in the sermon saying, repent and be cleansed so that the Messiah may come? I, I, I firmly believe in, in Peter's belief and the apostles' belief there is an expectation that, yes, there is, a, there is certainly a now side of, of the fullness of the kingdom of God, but there's a lot of stuff that will not get done here. Let the Messiah come. Pray that the Messiah will come, that we do not have to do healings ever and in fullness, all sickness, all death, all crying, all mourning, all pain will be done with. And then the third question is, this belief sets hard with, I think, evidence of the rest of the New Testament. You know, we have in a place like Hebrews chapter 11, there's, there's a place where the writer tells us about the, the great models of faith. And they mention Abraham, and they mention Moses, and, and all these people who have seen remarkable miracles and healings and phenomenal stuff as a result of their faith and their prayers. And then halfway through that passage, I really I should have read it to you today. Sorry, but I didn't want to make this too long. But go and read it when you get home. Hebrews chapter 11. Halfway through that passage, the tone changes. He, he holds up all these people who are the, in the hall of fame of faith. And then he says, others. Others were cut in two. Others were murdered. Others, others, others. And he lists this range of afflictions that befall people. And he says, these are also people of faith. 
incredible and should be upheld as the model, the, the standard of what it means to follow Jesus, every bit as much as the people who were listed before who saw this remarkable actions of God. Uh, so, probably not. Probably not. I'm not sure that Jesus will always heal. Right? That's one view. There's the second view. This view also, Christian brothers, Christian sisters, says since the time of the apostles, since all the, the time of when all the apostles died out, no more healings, signs or wonders took place in the history of the church. So the idea is that even already by the end of the New Testament, um, there's a lot fewer of these signs and wonders and healings, right? Paul says to Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. In, in the end of the New Testament, I think in one of the letters, one or two Timothy, uh, Timothy, I'm not going to come and heal you. Take wine for your stomach. Um, as if it sort of is waning, this sense of this abundant outpouring of miraculous signs and healings. And, 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 and those who sit in this view would say, you know what, God allowed the apostles to do some incredible miracles, some incredible healings, to validate and authorize their message. So the logic goes, let's say Peter rocked up at the temple that day and he said, I want to preach to you that you should all repent, be baptized, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know, maybe five, maybe ten, maybe no one would listen. Peter rocks up at the temple, <laughs> heals this lame man then moves on and says, everyone listen to me. <laughs> Who's coming? Everyone's coming. <laughs> Everyone's listening. Everyone takes very seriously what gets said here because clearly what message is preached here is connected with some sort of power, some sort of authority that is pretty deep, pretty persuasive. And so the theory goes that because God was doing some some establishing work here of the church, the apostles' preaching and teaching is accompanied with some remarkable manifestation of God's power in signs, in wonders, in healings. And since that's done, towards the end of the time of the apostles, that ceases. So the Christian word is cessationism, no more. No more healing signs, wonders, and all claims of such ever since then are false, uh, fabricated, fake stories. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Um, maybe. Maybe. But I think we've got to be careful. Say that God has never and can never and will never <laughs> choose to validate the preaching of his word with a sign or a wonder or a miracle. I, I personally don't feel comfortable stretching it that far. I think we attempt to box God. And in some ways, I put it to you that both views, probably, that I've just mentioned, fall prey to boxing God. One says God will always do this and should always do this. And unless he does this, something's wrong with you or God. Can't box God that way. The other one says God will never do this. Uh, it's not true. The miracle didn't happen. False. You should never box God that way. 
Either way, the, the, the mistake there in the first two is placing, I think, the wrong person at the center of the story. Who's at the center of this story? Is it the lame man? Is this a story about a lame man who got healed? If you do that, you run incredible risks. You say, okay, what's most important in the life of this lame man was that he is healed. What's most important in your life is your health. We idolize health. Further from there, if you really run with that theory, we run the risk of putting God on a leash. God exists for my health. I told you last week that your greatest problem is not your health. It's your sin. That's what God seeks to do for me, for you, to wash you from your sin now, to lead you to times of refreshment now, and to give you hope now of what he will finish when he returns. Put Peter, or put John, put the disciples in the middle of the story. You say, this is a story about discipleship. Again, you're boxing God. Either way, you're going to elevate whatever you think God should do through you. You have God figured out as a disciple. You do not. I do not. So here's the view then. I think, I put to you, with which I'll finish, that we should really, really cling to here. Jesus can and may heal if he chooses this way to call those who do not believe in him to repentance, refreshment, and a renewed world to come. Jesus can, Jesus may choose to heal if he chooses this way to call to himself to repentance, to refreshment, and to a renewed world to come. He may. You see, here's my Here's my, here's my advice to you. The question is not, should you pray for healing? The question you must wrestle with is, what does Jesus want? What does Jesus want here out of this? What are his purposes? What is he seeking to do here? You may not be certain that it's healing, but you may be certain that it is repentance. You may be certain that it is spiritual refreshment. You may be certain that it is a call to step into the hope of a new world to come and to let that reality sink in and change you and fill you and intoxicate you to the point where you are of such joy that you will look at whatever your illness is in your eyes and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, whether he heals me or not. What does Jesus want to do? I encourage you to think about that today and I, I recognise very fully as I lead up now to pray with you that this is difficult. This is particularly difficult if you are a sufferer of an agonising, life-threatening illness. I pray today that the hope of a new heavens and a new earth for you would be weighty, would fill you with hope. I pray today that your longing for health and restoration will not become an idol, but be put under the question of what does Jesus want for you and for those around you?
How does Jesus want to call others to refreshment, repentance, and participation in this plan of ultimate restoration through your sickness, your illness, and your affliction? To that end, let me pray for you now, particularly, specifically, if you're wrestling with an illness, and if not, echo this prayer with me, will you, in your heart, for someone else who you know who struggles right at this time. Let's pray. Our Father, this is very hard stuff for us. And Lord, I pray right now in this moment that you would reveal to each person here who can identify with the lame person what are your purposes for him, for her. Lord Jesus, I pray that even in the midst and perhaps because of and despite of that illness, you would bring immense refreshment of spirit. I know you want that. You've revealed it to us 20 times in Acts. No question, no uncertainty. Refresh them, Lord. Refresh them. Remarkably, powerfully and bountifully. And Father, bring them under such an intoxicating control of the Holy Spirit that that joy over the promise of a renewed and fully restored world without their illness will be so real and so difference-making every hour, every minute, every day. And Father, if it is within your purposes that they be healed, that either they or others would come to repentance, refreshment and into the hope of renewal, will you heal them, Father? Will you do so? Will you have your way among us? We pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you. Uh, music. So next time we sing a song, um, that's a, a song of reflection after what Rex just shared with us about God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever believes will not perish, they shall have eternal life.